Hey everybody, welcome back to Not Another Wellness Podcast. It's great to have you here and thank you for being a listener. Today on the show, I had the privilege of speaking with Amanda Fisher. Amanda's a physical therapist, is actually a doctor of physical therapy, a mama of three boys, has had three cesarean births, and also has founded and is the owner of Empower Your Pelvis, which is a clinic in Kansas City, Missouri. But besides her in-person, she also has an amazing online presence and she has Empower Your Pelvis Instagram and TikTok and they're even on YouTube and she is just so passionate and so knowledgeable about all things pelvic floor. We talk about what pelvic floor even is. This isn't a newer topic to me. I wasn't even sure what my pelvic floor was until a couple of years ago. What the appointments look like if you are a pregnant woman or postpartum, what the appointments look like if you're a man and how all of these issues as relates to the pelvic floor and the sex organs and your bladder and your bowel all can be helped and improved through a little bit of attention to this area. So we talk about general health of pelvic floor, pregnancy, postpartum, specifically C-section recovery, since that's very near and dear to my heart. And then just some of the ways that men can even improve their pelvic floor function as well. So much information in here. This is a topic that's really, really important to me because it was something I didn't know about until I already had my baby. And the amazing part is that um, spreading information like this can actually help you no matter how long ago you've had your children or if you're planning to have kids one day, specifically work on those muscles to help with a big life event like childbirth, no matter how it happens, just make sure everything's functioning properly. Like that old myth that like once you've had a baby, you just pee your pants all the time when you laugh or jump is is a myth, like guys. It's not how it should work. We talk about the squatty body and proper positioning for releasing urine or or bowel your, your bowels. Let's just get right in. I don't want to talk too much more. I want to let Amanda do the talking. She's wonderful. You have to check out her Instagram. It is so jam packed. And without any further ado, let's just go to the interview, shall we? So hi, Amanda. Thank you so much for being on Not Another Wellness Podcast. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm so excited. And as we were talking before, it's so it's almost surreal to see you in person. Um, you have such a great presence on social media and just the videos and the way that you kind of bring up serious issues that could be affecting people and are affecting a lot of us and then just bring light to it and say, here, this is this is normal no, common, but not normal. Let's dive in. So I'm so excited to talk to you all about pelvic floor, physical therapy, and then focus like zone in on like pregnancy and and postpartum recovery and all that stuff. So getting ahead of myself. But um, my first question for you is more just like of an icebreaker. Um, is there anything that you've accomplished recently that was like on a bucket list of some sort that you feel really good about that you'd want to share? Um, I went on a wellness retreat in May, which is totally not something I would have done as a mom because it's very much all about the kids, I feel like. And I've let myself go on the back burner, which I'm sure some of you can relate to. And one of my girlfriends is a yoga instructor out here in the Kansas City area. And she put together a group of it was uh, mostly moms, but a group of women from, gosh, some of us are in our 30s all the way up to probably low 60s. And there was 30 of us that went out to Arizona for a wellness retreat. And my husband, 
she ended up calling me like, Hey, um, somebody backed out. So we've got one spot open. You've got 24 hours to let me know if you want in. And I asked my husband and he was like, well, absolutely. You need this. Like you need to go do this. You've spent your whole last year working on your health, which I have, cause I've got PCOS and dealing with some other, um, thyroid issues. And he was like, why would you not finish the year out, you know, strong like this? And I was like, what a man. So I was so thankful he was like that. But I, for myself, I think I was like trying to justify why not to go and not to do it. And I felt guilty spending that kind of money on myself because usually it's like, I feel guilty buying, you know, um, a piece of clothing from Athleta, even though I know I'm going to wear it for the next so many years. But that to me is really hard to justify. So the fact I got on a plane, which I'm scared of flying, people don't know this about me. They don't know I have anxiety with flying. I have flown so much in this last year and um, flew out to Arizona. I only knew one girl on the trip. She ended up being my roommate. And uh, my best friends were like, why are you going with people you don't know? I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to to help heal my body. Like That's what I'm doing. And it was amazing. I didn't realize like normal Amanda would have gone on a wellness retreat. You could do any exercise class that you wanted to do. Normal Amanda would have signed up sun up to sundown with all the classes, right? Like get used to you spent this money and Mm -hmm. penny out of it. And instead, and my husband had to keep reminding me of this, like you're going out there to rest and renew. So make sure that you're resetting yourself. So we'd get up, I'd go get um, a cup of tea or a coffee after breakfast and then just sit by the pool until we had like our first meeting, which would be like yoga on the lawn. And I was like, this is a fabulous morning because when would I normally have a hot cup of a, like any kind of beverage where um, I got to enjoy it and have conversations with ladies and get to know people. And it was really wonderful. So that's a long winded question of something, but I that feel is, like it was a huge accomplishment to huge. You know, feel like, I, I don't know, healing, I guess. Oh my gosh. Well, congrats on taking that step. I'm so happy that you have a partner that's like, yes, you need this. (laughs) We all need one of those. No, that's incredible. And yeah, just sitting and actually not having anyone need you like between I know your mom of three. Yes. What's my mind? Three boys. Yeah. And my husband had to tackle all the sports games. And ironically, we had like four in a three day span. And he's just like, everything's great. Everything's fine. I'm like, deep down, I know you guys are like <laughs> having oh. some trouble because three boys yeah, is always that's a lot. Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And then you obviously, are you a full-time physical therapist? So I would say I'm full-time. Um, I do my hours. Uh, yeah. Right now I'm back in the clinic Monday through Friday seeing patients. Yeah. And then um, I, the admin I do admin the facility because it's my business. And then um, I have my online side of the business too. So it's a completely separate business. So it's two businesses, clinic and online. And um, some days I'm more in the clinic and less online, which I feel like it's been like that this summer. Um, And I'm ready to kind of get it back to being even because I love, I love working with people all across, not only the States, but um, internationally as well. And really, 
hearing how their pelvic health is in India or in Norway or Finland, like, and giving them ideas like, well, this is, you know, that sounds great for where you're at, but this is what we see here. Um, so you might be, maybe we can help you find a provider out there, or if they don't have pelvic floor physical therapy, um, we might work with them through coaching and giving them exercises to do, um, to help them all the way over there, which is bananas. Cause I never thought that was possible. And, um, it's really exciting to see that. That's so cool. Okay. So you get into what you do. I think we, I mean, physical therapy is pretty straightforward. I would say most people understand that, yeah. but the pelvic floor is yeah. not, I mean, I didn't even know really what it was until going through my own pregnancy and postpartum. So would you kind of break that down for us? And yeah. Gotcha. So I like to tell patients like um, normal physical therapy, we might look at your arms or your legs or your back, right? These are muscles you can see yourself moving. So if it's your arm, I would grab your arm and I can bend it up to see how, you know, how much flexibility, how much it can flex, right? What the bend is. And then I'll stretch it out to see what it can lengthen out as. And you can see it in space, how your arm is moving. So now in pelvic floor, we're looking at the muscles inside the pelvis. And that can be really hard for people to understand like, oh, we have muscles down there or they hear pelvic floor, one big muscle. It's actually 26 different muscles down there that attach to the pelvis. So it can attach out to the front where your pubic bone is. So you can feel that bone, you know, that sits right below um, your bladder or at the base of your torso. And you can reach behind you and find your tailbone. The muscles are going to run from pubic bone to tailbone. They're also going to come out to the sides where your hips are. And they so they kind of make this bowl shape. And their job is to hold up and support your bladder, your uterus, if you have a uterus, and then um, your rectum. So supporting the organs, when they're doing their job, we should be able to hold back urine, hold back feces when we need to. Then when we sit down on a toilet, we should be able to relieve that, be able to pee or poop without bearing down, without any issues normally. They should be able to hold up the organs with movement so we don't feel pressure down there. Um, they aid in sexual function. And they also help us with our sump pump, meaning as we breathe, they're going to help move fluid throughout our torso. So in a compass, um, we for pelvic floor PT, since those muscles are inside, my job is to figure out where the muscles are. So we do an internal vaginal assessment or internal rectal muscle assessment to see what the tissue is doing. And we have a right side and a left side, just like we have a right leg, left leg, right arm, left arm. And then we have three layers of tissue. So in the short scheme of things, um, the pelvic floor likes to play games with each other. So just like any other tissue, we can compensate when something's not working well, or if we fatigue out, something will compensate. So I like to say some of the muscles like to be type A personalities and those we have to like calm down because they're overdoing too much work. And then we have type B personalities where they're the ones like, peace out. I'm still on vacation and join my Marguerite on the beach. So we've got to get those two to talk where type A starts to give type B some jobs and roles to do, which then lessens the toll on the type A. So then they're working together again as a beautiful group project that we always wanted back in high school instead of somebody doing all the work. And that's where if somebody's typically doing the work or they're not functioning well, we see dysfunction, which is the pee in your pants. They're not holding our organs in, so we might feel pressure down there. They're not moving well during sex or orgasm, so we might have pain or lack of an orgasm um, and all of the above. So it's essentially like 
because they're inside your body too. Um, another way I tell patients is like, you're going into a dark room and trying to find the furniture. And I'm there to tell you where the couch, the chair, the lamp, all of that is. And then do we want to rearrange the furniture? So things feel better. Like it feels more like an open floor plan versus like everything's on top of each other. Right. So it's just trying to figure out like where we need your layout to be for the best of like your day so that you feel good and are functioning well. Yeah. And so like this just feels so foundational, like when you are explaining it. I mean, it also is kind of like I'm sitting on top of all of my pelvic floor muscles, my pelvis right now. So I'm thinking like it is kind of foundational to everything else above and connected to everywhere below. Is this a newer field in physical therapy? Because it just feels like people don't know this enough. Like I'm even like, oh my God. I believe public floor PT has been around for about 30 years, if I recall that correctly. Um, I've been doing it since 2010 is probably when I took my first course when I was in physical therapy school. Um, I've been practicing public floor, which back then was called women's health um, back since I graduated in 2011 and then started a program for the clinic I was working at and um, essentially went to a couple other places before opening my own practice. Yeah. Okay. It's been around so it's for like a while. I think it's still it's still on it's, the like hush hush. The, our generations before us didn't really talk about this stuff. Totally no. Right. Yeah. And then we're starting to ask questions like, why did nobody tell me this? And then people kind of open up. And then I think the generations below us will be seeing hopefully more of it. Possibly. Yeah. It's like a part of the body that, well, unfortunately, is tied to our sex organs, which I feel like is shamed and covered. Mm-hmm. And in a way, it kind of makes sense to me that like the, also the problems associated with that area of the body might not be discussed, like mm-hmm. incontinence um, and like sex pain with sex and yep. all the other things that you mentioned. Um, and it also makes sense to me that like some for maybe active people who haven't experienced any of these issues yet, pregnancy for a woman could be the first time we're like, oh, what's going on down there? And like, do I need to work on anything? Or yeah. um, just kind of the, it, for me, it was anyway the first time. Um, and back to that, like you were saying the generational thing, the narrative that I've heard around women who have had children is, oh yeah, you just pee after you laugh for the rest of your life. Like That's there's normal, a kind of normalization right? <laughs> of that. And I remember I used to do CrossFit way back when and we were doing double unders and all the women were like, I have to go to the bathroom right before I do this. And like, they all come out and be like, yeah, like after you have kids, just wait, like you can't hold your bladder anymore. So I just feel like that has to change. Like it's funny, but it's, that doesn't need to be, you should be able to control those muscles and not everyone can. Yes. And that's what is so funny. Cause like, I just went through like what those muscles are supposed to do. Right. And if we were talking about it with your arm or your elbow, it'd be like, well, your muscles are supposed to be able to throw a ball. So if you couldn't throw a ball, wouldn't we go seek help for that? So we could throw something. Or if we couldn't kick a soccer ball, we would go seek help for that to learn again, that motion of how to do that activity. But then when we're talking about the muscles down there, it's like, oh, you pee yourself. (laughs) It's just normal because you've had kids. It's like, no, they're not doing their job. So let's go figure out how to improve it so that you can actually hold back your urine again and not pee your pants when you're lifting weight or not peeing your pants when you're doing double unders. Because we know typically, again, there's some kind of dysfunction down there that's creating that dysfunction of happening. And we should be able to improve that for you guys again. A thousand percent. So what, what does this look like? Because I, 
obviously want to touch on the fact that like men have these issues too. And I want to dial in closer on the pregnancy and postpartum stuff because that's the area that I think, um, anyway, that's the area I want to focus on for, for sure. now. But what does it look like? So say um, somebody hasn't experienced any issues that they're aware of and then they're pregnant. Like, sh- is it that everybody should go in to have an assessment? Is that like a time where it'd be a good idea to go get checked out? In my opinion, yes. Um, having gone through pregnancy a couple of times, I am a firm believer these are muscles that are changing in the body. So we are lengthening out the abdominal cavity. And then we're also adding pressure and weight on those pelvic floor muscles. I've yet to see a brand new mom postpartum or during pregnancy whose pelvic floor is working beautifully because there's a lot happening down there. So it coming from the PT background, the physical therapy background of if I knew I was going to go have surgery for my knee to, let's say, repair tissue or my shoulder, I would go see a physical therapist or work on that tissue on strengthening it before I go into that surgery. Pregnancy is kind of the same way. I like to think, okay, we know birth is basically a marathon. And when you get your first positive pregnancy test, that starts your weeks of training. And those training weeks, like we we wouldn't go out for a marathon without training. Um, Or one of our PT says it best, like we wouldn't go take an exam without studying. We want to really prepare your body for what's about to happen. And as scary as this sounds, I usually tell my patients like, okay, so in five weeks, you're going to, and they're like 35 weeks pregnant. And I've been seeing him for a while, but we're just like reminding them this was yesterday. So it's, um, but I'm like in five weeks, you're about to either gently sprain your ankle or really have a bad sprain slash break your ankle. So we've got to think, and it sounds terrible and their eyes get big, but I'm like, just think about it. Big picture. Like, you know, you're going to have some kind of injury down there. So it could be like a whiplash. That's really minor or a very minor ankle sprain, or we might tear through that tissue. And that could be a vaginal birth or a C-section. And we went through the changes of vaginal tearing that can happen. I felt so unprepared because people didn't talk about this back when I started having babies that I was like, say what? This is a new thing. So I like to like open the eyes. But again, I'm like, it's not to make you scared. It's to make you aware of all the hard work that you just put into. And our goal is to have you at this level. If it happens here, you've prepped your body for if you end up with a grade three or a grade four tear or a C-section, you've put in the work. So like you're in a good spot because we know like three days of bed rest. So if you think like a C-section, you're on bed rest, you're kind of hanging out for the first you know week or so. You're not definitely not doing strength training. You're not going out for big walks. That bed rest, your muscles going to start depleting at around three days of just bed rest. And we see that with any knees, shoulders, any kind of surgery. So we know that's bound to happen after birth too, when we're doing the bed rest. So if we can prep that tissue up ahead of time and take you from where you were to a little higher, then you're going to lose tissue from that higher spot versus to where you were. So that could be muscle mobility, muscle strength. Like overall, we want to have you in a really great spot before that marathon. And so letting them know and reassuring them like you, and it's never too late during pregnancy because I will probably get that question after this. Like, is it too late? I'm 37 weeks. Like there's so much that you can still do to prep the tissue during that whole three trimester period that can benefit you when you go in for childbirth. 
So you could say that when you're pregnant is a good time to also start working on your pelvic floor. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) And a lot of it, like we may not do internal work. Like I like to assess it as long as it's okay with their, um, their provider. But then once we find out what's happening and we usually stay pretty superficial, we're not going into the the cervix at all. I just want to know what that tissue is doing. Um, and then I want to know I can feel externally as well. So if they don't want an internal exam, we can feel externally to see how that pelvic floor is moving when we are lifting weight. What weight do we start um, causing compensation and start not using it correctly or maybe bearing down? So then if that's happening, like I want patients... I want to see what patients can do with like car seat weight, car seat weight with baby. Those are like, those are the heavy things that you're lifting afterwards. That's my, my high weight. But then we always like to start, I like to start our patients around that six to eight pounds and see how pelvic floor is behaving with baby weight. Maybe you had a 10 pounder like I did. How does the 10 pounds, what does the pelvic floor do? What does your core do? And then again, this is all during pregnancy. What does it look like with that 25 to 30 pounds of that car seat baby? baby weight as well? Or can we do more? Do we need to modify how we're carrying the weight? Do we need to modify how we're lifting the weight with how the pelvic floor is behaving? So it's a lot um, more functional than I think people think too. People will come in and think, okay, so I'm just going to be on this bed and you're going to like massage my pelvic floor. And I'm like, oh, that's so little than what we do. And then I'm going to do a thousand Kegels, which we don't typically do either. Um, My goal is more of learning how that pelvic floor moves the contract and relax and then using that contraction and relaxation with functional movement too. Mm -hmm. And so all of that plays into from the bed to sitting, to standing, to walking, to maybe doing stairs, to lifting, squatting, hinging. These are all movements that you're doing as a mom all day long. Oh yeah. And we need to make sure that they're functionally working well. That's so interesting. I wish I had done this. Now I'm like imagining my pregnancy was like in the heat of COVID, so I didn't go anywhere. <laughs> but um, that just see that just it just makes so much sense. And and I'm glad you said like we don't even do Kegels because people think, and I've had this conversation with friends like, oh, I do Kegels. But the from my experience, I did see pelvic floor PT six months postpartum. By the time I had learned about it, I was like, okay, and. I couldn't relax my pelvic floor and I didn't even know that was a thing. And so I'm saying this to all of you listening, being like, I do Kegels. I don't need this. I'm good. That you might actually have, you're not, you just said the actual medical medical term, like releasing the muscle or extension yes. or. Yeah. Most people can't it. relax it. Yeah. You can't put it back down. So if you're like, if you're sitting right now, like Natalie and I are, and you are sitting and you can feel your sits bones. Let your pelvic floor relax, let your belly relax. And then think of picking up a blueberry or sucking up a smoothie through a straw through your vaginal area. Put that sucker all the way back down. And you can think of releasing it like an elevator where it drops like 25%, 50%, 75%, and then 100. Most people get 25% and they either plop down to the ground or they get it to release a little bit. And then they're like, Oh yeah, I don't, I don't think it's going any further. Our goal, cause that would be like, you have flexed your arm all the way up and then you've only let it go where maybe it's still flex 75% or still flex 50%. Like you're walking around with dinosaur arms and you need to let your dinosaur arms all the way out. And that's the Republic floor. We got to let it release all the way out. And the easy part is the Kegel piece that pickup. 
So, so often the pregnant women will come in or postpartum women will say like, well, I'm doing the pickups. And then you do, you go to check the relaxation. They're like, oh yeah, I I haven't been practicing that. And you're like, oh yeah, we can tell. It's a harder motion for that pelvic floor to do. So really working on that relaxation, really working on that elevator descending back down is very important for the control of those muscles. So, so often that is what we're doing with our patients, even who are peeing their pants. A lot of time it's that release, like their pelvic floor is so tight that we're not having the correct function or correct control of those muscles. And they have to learn how to work those muscles through the full range of motion to make them work properly, if that makes sense. It totally makes sense. And another thing that's popping into my mind is how often you pee as a pregnant person, a lot, especially at the end. And I think I learned this from you. You're not supposed to push out your pee. No. You're supposed to breathe, like be relaxed and let it just come out. Okay. So like, this is like embarrassing, but like, I think I thought you're supposed to push, which explains so much to me now, (laughs) but I saw one of your videos and I was like, now I sit in the toilet and I'm like, just sit here. Like what? You don't have to do anything. You just relax your mind. So I just wanted to say that. I grew up in the clenching phase right? Like in the nineties, everybody held their abs in nice and tight. And so I got really good at clinching and that still, I can find myself when I go to sit on the toilet. Like I have to mindfully be like, let it go, let the belly go. And then let's go. And then I can relax and then I can pee. But even motherhood, if like I had this in the first couple months where you would the baby screaming and crying and you're like, get this pee out as fast as mm-hmm. I can to go save my kid from the other toddler or like, I don't know, something's wrong. And so you're pushing it out to get it out as fast as possible. Well, then the muscles aren't working like they're supposed to. And that can cause other issues too. Um, but the yeah. squatty potty is another one that helps it relax out. Mm-hmm. Um, we used Big to think it's just for, Yeah just for bowel movements, but it's not. So many of our clients are using it to help fully empty their bladder and to help their pelvic floor muscles relax for that too. So interesting. And another um, embarrassing um, fact about myself is I used to hover over every public restroom. I would never sit on a toilet seat that wasn't mine. I had like hypochondriac syndrome (laughs) as a teenager and child. I've also learned that that's like not good either, right? No. And I I joke with my mom because she made us hover all the time in public restrooms, like at the malls, right? Or in dirty gas station bathrooms when we were doing traveling trips. And or she would lather up the most toilet paper, do that, put all the toilet paper on the seat and sit down. But the hovering, those muscles, if you think like when you're doing a squat, those muscles are still working through that upper portion of the squat, right? It's not until we really get our pelvic floor below the knees when we're relaxing in a squatted position that those muscles are relaxed. Hence why the squatty potty is so helpful because it gets mm-hmm. the above the pelvis. So anytime we are like holding a squat or sitting in a squat, and holding those muscles have to tighten up. So then in order for us to pee or poop in that position, we have to bear down. Mm-hmm. And then that pressure down can start to set us up for other issues, such as like oh pelvic organ prolapse, which is something you don't want. I had that after all three of my babies. What is that exactly? That's like oh. when the muscles kind of So the muscles in the vaginal canal, you've got the pelvic floor muscles and then the organs sit like your bladder will sit on the other side of the pelvic floor muscles. If that tissue is weakened, 
And then your bladder can start to push against the muscles and we'll see the muscles start to come into that vaginal canal. Or people might feel pressure down there when their bladder's full. They might have bladder leakage. They might have pressure down there when their bowels are full because your rectum can do the same and push into vaginal canal. Sometimes when the stool's full, it can push in on the bladder. So it's um, it can be kind of complicated um, or the uterus can come down as well. Those are the three most common prolapses we see. You can have more than one of them. Um, but I I had bladder prolapse after having my C-sections. And you would think prolapse, oh, pushing, you're probably just going to have that after a vaginal birth. But it's about a 50-50 on vaginal versus cesarean. And a lot of it comes down to body mechanics. So how we are actually behaving. And so I am a gripper. I was probably bearing down or had a history of constipation, bearing down to pee, bearing down while I'm hovering. And so it's a lot of poor body mechanics throughout my life that kind of set me up for that prolapse. But then postpartum, we can see that too, because maybe you're holding your breath when you're moving from sit to stand to get out off the couch or out of the chair with the baby or to get up or same when you get up off the toilet. And if that tissue's already weakened or not um, as strong as it needs to be, we can start to push that pressure in it. And sometimes it's a pressure issue, again, where we're holding that breath and we're causing that pressure to sink down into the pelvis. Other times it's maybe more ligaments um, that are stretched out and it's not supported and patients will end up with surgery too, like a bladder sling um, surgery for bladder leakage. Some women will end up with a hysterectomy to um, for any kind of um, uterine prolapse or they'll have um, pelvic floor reconstruction of multiple areas. And we see that often. We do. It's not something we used to think too. I think, you know, a decade ago, like this is like older people get these surgeries. No, it's, it's happening to our younger population. I see a lot of women in their twenties and thirties with prolapse as many as I do with forties, fifties, and sixties, you know, it's across a wide span. Um, they do have things called pessaries that you can get fitted for. It's like a sports bra for your vagina. So it goes into the vagina and it holds up weakened tissue. So then you wouldn't have the prolapse sinking in. So say you felt pressure when um, we have people who feel pressure with exercise or um, we're in the Midwest. So we have some farmers too. So it's like if they lift a bag of feed, which is like 50 pounds, they might have pressure down there or 80 pounds. So they can't quit doing their job or they don't want to stop exercising because it makes them feel good. Then we can use the pessary as a tool sports bra to hold things up in place so that they continue to do their stuff. But then we're also working on exercises um, for strengthening or mobility as well. So, wow. Okay. Cause <laughs> prolapse has been like a scary word to me. Um, just like hearing. Yeah. Don't let it be scary. But, I hear yeah. all the time. Like, well, that means I have to stop or I can't do sit-ups. Like my goal is to get you back and probably every public PT to get you back to being active and doing what you love to do. It might just be modifications in the beginning for us to be able to get you there. But the goal is to get, if you want to run, let's get you back running. If you want to lift, let's do that. But um, I know I've had it three times and I'm doing all of those things with no issues. So there is hope. Wow. Okay. And that's, yeah, that's the point. It's like there's people that actually work on this specific area to improve or help you recover from something that can happen to you in life or from childbirth or, okay. So the postpartum area after a baby's born, this is the point, after vaginal or cesarean delivery, when 
might someone come in and start to see you or are there things they can do right away? Yeah. To kind of help them recover. I love... I love at least having a virtual appointment with our postpartum gals at two weeks postpartum if we can. And so this is, we're seeing you in your natural habitat, I guess, in your home and can talk you through the body mechanics wise. Because what we see, if we don't talk to you until six, eight, 12 weeks postpartum, by then we're starting to see the compensations happening that can promote um tissue not healing, maybe the best way that we want it to. So at those two weeks, four weeks, we might do virtuals and we're talking you through how to connect with the muscles, what your symptoms are, how can we manage that? Um, For some of us, it might be hard conversations of asking for help so that we can help our pelvic floor recover a little bit more. Um, We may have talks about you know, what symptoms we do want to have, what symptoms we don't want to have. So we say like, if you are going out for your walks, make sure you're avoiding extra bleeding, like an increase in bleeding of that lochia. Um, Make sure we're not having any pain, pelvic pain, any shooting pain. We're not having any pressure or bladder leakage or fecal leakage. So those are the really, the top things that we want to remind them of um, teaching them how to breathe correctly. And then again, um, just, you know, how they're moving throughout their, their household. If they have a lot of stairs, how can we modify that? If they've had a C-section or how can we modify that with a vaginal grade three or four tear? Um, it's, those are probably some of my favorite phone calls. Cause usually you're at home and you're like, how did we end up in this position? Like, I know how we ended up in it, but it's like, you left the the hospital or you had this baby and it's like yours. And now we do, right? And nobody's telling me what I'm supposed to be doing in these first couple of weeks. So giving them some reassurance of like, this is, this is very common or what you're experiencing. Why don't we contact your doctor back? Um, I, I love them. And then we'll see them in clinic sometimes at four weeks, depending on what's going on. Um, So some of our C-section moms, I like to do four weeks just to help with um, maybe scar tissue sensitivity or mobility, teaching them how to regain um, muscle connectivity again. And then if we do an internal exam with any of our postpartum moms, that's typically once they get released from their doctors so around six weeks to eight weeks, we'll do an internal exam. And yes, we do an internal exam um, as long as you guys feel comfortable. But with our C-section moms, even though you had you know, an incision through the abdomen, that pelvic floor is still it still went through pregnancy. Okay. And then it's all connected in a 3d manner. So just because we're cutting through the abdominal area doesn't mean that your pelvic floor is not affected. Usually that pelvic floor is not moving as well. Again, that tightness tends to be down there. There's lots of compensation because your body just went through major abdominal surgery and we want to get essentially both areas working well. And I just had a mom in here earlier before this call. And I'm like, the way I explain it is food related because I love food. Um, and it's like either having a sandwich where you've got your abdominal tissue and then you've got like your pelvic floor and we can move part of the sandwich by moving the abdominal area. And we get like the skin, the fascia, the muscle tissue. We can get to a little bit of the organs, but coming in vaginally allows us to get to the other side of that sandwich. So if we've got like 
lettuce, tomato, and mustard on one. We've got the meat and cheese in the other. And then you're trying to make all that tissue glide and move freely again without discomfort and pain um, and making it function well. So it's you. I feel like we're missing us as pelvic floor PTs. If we're not treating our cesarean moms that way, we're missing a huge piece of the pie. Like it's just we're kind of chalking them up like, oh, they're fine. But we need to assess that pelvic floor muscle tissue first before we say like you don't like you got a free pass out of jail card, you know? Yeah. And the scar yeah. part too. I I guess I wasn't expecting that. What I went to my appointment six months later, I hadn't touched my scar. <laughs> I was terrified to touch that area. It felt yeah. super like triggering and like there's all this emotional stuff and just going in, like I know I could physically do it, but I had this like mental block going into my appointments and then having someone who knows what they're doing. And like, it's, it's okay to touch your scar. It's actually good to touch your scar. Here's why we want this to move. It was so like therapeutic to have someone just give some attention to this part of my body that like, otherwise, as long as it wasn't infected was completely ignored and then kind of explain to me how it's so connected to everything else. I just think that is so, so important. I'm so glad that that's like something you guys do. And I'm just wanting to spread that. It needs TLC because we see, we see the tip of the iceberg. There's so much underneath that scar that's happening that we don't see just like an iceberg in water, right? We see the tipper, like the, the tip of it, just like the Titanic did, but they didn't see everything underneath. So underneath stuff, like we see the skin, we see the incision line underneath is the fascial, the muscle tissue. We've got, um, the peritoneum that covers the organs. We've got to shift the bladder out of the way to get to the uterus, to create that incision, to be able to get into the placenta to break the water to get the baby and then, you know, close all that up. So that's a lot of layers of tissue that are connected. And it's also a lot of area where like where the uterus and bladder, the bladder sits in front of the uterus. The bladder is a big area where you can have scar tissue really decreasing mobility there. So what I mean is if the bladder afterwards wants to expand to fill up with water, water with fluid, it may not be able to stretch completely to fill it up anymore because it feels the scar tissue. So it feels kind of claustrophobic and you get this urgency. You might end up with bladder urgency a lot sooner. You may find you're going to the bathroom more frequently. You may end up with bladder discomfort or pain in the lower abdomen. Um, Scar tissue off of that uterus may create low back pain for you because the, you have ligaments. Yeah. Yeah. Ligaments that connect to the uterus, to the front and to the back. So if it's not moving well, Or if that scar tissue is pulling that uterus in a certain way, you can feel that as low back discomfort. Um, You can have clitoral sensations when you're not wanting them. I had that because the nerves as they're regrowing, maybe they're getting caught between tissue and that's creating this um, weird sensation down there. Um, You can have abdominal cramping and pain. You can have some bloatedness that's happening below the incision. I feel with even with the lymphatic fluid there, I feel like we're still missing a little bit of that with our new moms. Um, Again, if you've been a C-section mom, you'll probably understand what I'm saying. Like when you're on your feet too much, it'll start to swell up a little bit more down there or bloat up and get firm. And it's just listening, learning to listen to our bodies more and having someone to talk to, to recognize that. But again, with that scar tissue, it's not just picking that scar up at the skin. Like we've got to get in a little bit further and in a little bit further and make sure all that tissue really is moving well. And it's not causing pain, discomfort, or trigger points for you. Mm. That might be... I love to do abdominal scar work, but then also be internal and patients will see all the time. You're like, okay, you're tight here. 
on the left when we were doing a pelvic floor muscle exam. Let me check out your scar. Scar might be more tight on that side too. Let's slack the scar. Let's make it looser. Oh, look, we can move your pelvic floor. And so that gives them beautiful insight of like, wow, this here really is connected to my pelvic floor. So if we can start creating mobility with certain movements and with the scar, and then we can start to see some changes, hopefully in that pelvic floor too, for them. I can hear someone thinking this. So I'll ask, is it ever too late to come work on this type of mobility? It's never too late. Never too late. I feel That's what I really love about the job is people will come in, you know, 25 years after a C-section and still see so much improvement. And especially if they've been living with pain for that many years and we can give them guidance on how to help create some mobility to decrease that pain or create space in that cavity for them. I mean, it's a win-win. It's amazing. Some of those are my favorite. I tear up when I, when I treat them. I love that. And that's such a good message. Like you don't have to do everything right. If you missed your chance, like you've already had babies, but you want to just make sure that you, the symptoms you might be having that I just feel like people don't even think of, they just normalize this stuff. Like, because it's in a sensitive part of the body say, um, there there's chance to improve and just be feeling better and like have a better livelihood. Um, as a result of just making sure everything is moving and working the right way. Exactly. So as a mom of three and having had three cesareans, I'm curious about your like relationship to your scar and like if you do anything still to this day to kind of work with it or like what it looks like for your scar (laughs) self-care. Yes, that's a great question. Um, In the B, so I would say it was different after each cesarean delivery. Um, the first one I probably had, it was an emergency. I wasn't expecting it. So I felt like there was some more trauma there. And these are, um, the middle one I felt was also traumatic, but we found out like a week before that he was going to be a C-section. I wanted a VBAC. Um, in my head, I thought it was VBACing. So I had a really hard time processing going into a cesarean delivery. Um, and that is one thing I work with our patients too, is like, I know this is your birth plan, but I need you to visualize what you want for a C-section just in case it happens because 30% of us end up with them. Um, and after going through that myself, I really make our patients think about that, that Avenue. So that one for me, um, affected the nervous system a little differently where I got nauseated trying to touch my scar after my second. Um, I really had a disassociation. My husband couldn't touch me or if he would reach for like my inner thigh or my belly. I didn't mean to, but I would backslap him just because my body was so sensitive um, that I had to really do some hard work after that one to calm down the nerves because they just were very hypersensitive after that with the way they had grown back. And then the third... Um, I knew he was going to be a C-section and that seemed to be a better recovery with me prepping it, visualizing it, planning it out, knowing the different options I had much better in the, um, the mindfulness, I guess, with that scar. And that's probably the most I have touched my scar was after the third. Again, I knew more. Um, I had done more research on it and realized 
okay, of the benefits that I could feel if I did certain movements with it. So to today, I, if I'm reading, I don't have, I'm looking for a book, but um, if I'm reading a book, which I try to do before I go to bed, I try to read at least 10 pages. And if I'm holding the book with my left hand, I will use my right hand to come down to my lower pelvis area. So I'll find what people call their hip bone, the front of the pelvis on my left side with my right hand. And I will just scoop towards the belly button while I'm holding the book with my left. I'll finish reading that page, flip the page, put the book in my right hand, take my left hand, come to my right side of the pelvis, and then I will ice cream scoop from the pelvis up to my belly button. And that is something I do daily, a couple of pages into my book. I don't do it for my whole 10 pages, but I alternate the sides on that because it keeps the space down there. I'm a belly gripper. So I get really tense down there. Still do. I'm four years out from my third C-section, but I will get abdominal cramping if I don't stay on top of that. So I make sure just to keep it up in my regular day, um, just to yeah keep it mobile. Because if I don't, when I come off of that, that's when I tend to have more cramping, like during my menstrual cycle or um, bloating that if I can keep it calmed down, it feels much better. So you kind of like you're pushing the skin and the muscles like like you said scoop i'm trying to like yeah <laughs> so i do the outer side of my hand yeah like the pinky side on my tissue so at that um pelvic area and then i am using that outer hand to scoop into the tissue and pull up towards the belly button mm, okay thank so you so it's creating some you'll feel a little stretch you might find like ooh it's you know more tight on the left versus the right or i like to also go as long as nobody don't do this if you're not like six weeks to eight weeks, you know, after having a C-section. Um, but if you're further out, you can even go right at the pubic bone, right at your incision and pull up and you'll feel a stretch on that bladder. And it's, it'll be tight at that midline, but oh. being very gentle, everything's very gentle with it. Cause the more harder we, the harder we pull, the more the um, muscle tissue can recoil and tighten up. So we want it to lengthen out, right. not tighten up. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for sharing your experience. Um, I think it's so important to normalize like the mind-body connection too, to having something go. My C-section was also emergency. It's only the only baby I have, but, um, and, and just recognizing that even the second, you know, second time around you already had had the surgery, but you, it still was not something you're prepared for and how that kind of plays into how the body reacts or maybe heals or maybe doesn't heal. And even the, the, you're saying your husband touches you and feeling kind of jumpy or like, like don't yes. touch me. Like that is so real for me as well. Like if I go into an appointment, like my, see my midwives or whatever, I'm very like, ha, ha, like uh, almost like I have to, it's fine. Like you're safe. And it's like, you're saying it's like the nerves rewiring it, but it's also a little bit of like, your body thinking you're not safe again, or you're in like threat again or something. I just think that's so important to highlight. Like we do. um, I love, love, love working with C-section moms. So I do some online coaching with C-section moms. And that is what we, one of the things we're working on through starts week one throughout our weeks is really touching the scar and going back through like the story you're telling yourself. Like, what was the birth story? Okay, we hit a negative point. How can we switch that up a little bit? Because you'll also find maybe the tissue down there changes as you are maneuvering through that story and focusing more on the positive perspective of it versus the negative. Because we all, 
we all have something that we t- we tend to latch onto the negative more. So it's learning to let that go to allow the healing to release and release the tissue in a short piece of it. But that is something we are we are really yeah. on. That's such a good like segue. I wanted just highlight some of the things that you guys offer people because you do have so many virtual um, offerings. So you see patients in person. Obviously, you're in uh, Missouri. Are you in Kansas City? Kansas City, Missouri. Yep. So you see people in person. Yes. And then like, I'd love for you to, yeah, just like tell us all the things. Yeah. And then <laughs> online. So we have a couple different options. Um, my favorite is the coaching. So we do like four weeks minimum um, at a time of coaching. And um, I we meet with girls like right now we're in the midst of a pain with sex one. So we meet um, one night a week live. The other rest of the week, we're talking throughout the week on Voxer app or in, our, um, in a group um, within our membership community, which I'll get to that in a second. And the girls might have five days of exercises that they're working on. And so the videos are all set up. It takes them through progressions to get them and their scar tissue work as well with these C-section women. So it's going through different types of scar tissue work. I, as a mom, like if somebody told me to work on my scar tissue 10 to 15 minutes, I was overwhelmed and then wouldn't do it. But when I hear that I can do it for like one to two minutes, I'm like, done, game over. I can handle that. So everything is pretty much hunkered down to how can we fit this into your day? If it's not getting in, we're going to chat and figure out how to make it work as a mom. So we don't feel stressed and overwhelmed. Um, we have groups like that for, like I just mentioned, um, C-section moms, pain with sex, pregnancy, postpartum, um, lots of variety, I guess right now. And then our membership community is a cheaper option. It's about $25 a month and it's so much fun. Um, the girls can come in and choose like, are they pe- having trouble with peeing their pants? Are they having prolapse? Do they have, have they had a C-section? Do they have low back pain, hip pain, um, pain with menstrual cycles? And then I'm going on live uh, like four to five times a week doing either mobility, pelvic floor and core exercises, glute building. Um, and then if they are not catching, if they aren't on live, then they catch the recording and I, during that whole time, because I know the girls that are that are in the group. So I'm like, okay, if you're pregnant, we're going to modify like this. If you um, have a C-section, we're going to modify like this. If we've got prolapse, please turn this way. So the girls have an idea of what to do for to support their body correctly. Um, I think that's it. I feel like we have more though. But and then, of course, all the free content on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube. So yeah, so your Instagram is how I found you. I think <laughs> I don't even know how, but I just remember watching some of your videos and you were holding up like the it's like a, it was wait is it a vulva or a uterus? A vulva, yeah. A vulva, yeah. And you're like dancing with it, and I was like, who is this? <laughs> <laughs> She's so crazy. <laughs> I love it. But so your Instagram is um empower tell me where the periods are. Empower yes. your pelvis, but there's empower dot your dot your dot pelvis. Pelvis. Yes. yes. That and then that's also the same for your website. Website's yeah. empoweryourpelvis.com. TikTok oh. is empower your pelvis. Oh, TikTok too. I haven't even gotten yeah. there. I love TikTok it. TikTok is it, you know, all social media is so interesting because what we're getting flagged for now on Instagram, I'm like, I didn't even I'll be, I only said the word pelvic and I'm getting flagged and blacked out. And then no TikTok, way. I can talk pain with sex all day. Like that's what the people on TikTok want is pain with sex. So it's so interesting the balance between the two. And then YouTube, we're still trying to find, you know, how that one won't get us in trouble. But 
Isn't it funny how like these are we're talking about like body parts and like normal function of yes. body parts and like you'll get flagged for being inappropriate. Flagged. And it's they're usually like, well, it's nudity. I'm like, it's not nudity. I am a in my mid thirties wearing clothes and the nudity <laughs> is a pelvic model talking about what we do within these walls here at the office or a pillow that has been sewn to look like a vulva. Yes. yes. But it. it's but- still plot. <laughs> So, but also just like power to the vulva, like in general, like in the, like that's, that's how it should be. Like we, people don't even know what that is looking at it who don't like have one or maybe even have one. The year I had our um, front office sew those for us and she, people, we all wore them that day for Halloween and people, I think it was like 10% of the patients that came in the doors were like, are you wearing a vagina? But everyone else was like, what are you wearing? What are you for Halloween? And I'm like, you don't know what this is? Like. Everyone, we all have one besides the guys that are walking in. And so it was a great anatomy lesson that day. But it, it, yeah, it really is. It just, it just highlights like we just, I don't know if it's like our culture of like, I don't know, Puritanism from back in the day where it's like, don't talk about anything in that area. And it's just, it's ridiculous because we all come out of a vagina. So it's like, I don't know. This probably should be something that we're taught how to like take care uh-huh. of, but we're yes. just not. Yep. It's really frustrating. <laughs> the last thing I want to just touch on is we talked a lot about women. Um, I just want to say like, if there are any men listening or any partners of people listening, there's also dysfunction for men and they can come see you as well. And like we, yes. women are important too, but like everyone, everyone's important. Yes. And people will ask like, well, what age of guys do you guys see? Right. And so I always start out like, well, you would probably have heard of, you know, when our guys have prostate surgery, they end up with bladder leakage a lot of the time afterwards. And they're like, oh yeah, my husband or my dad ended up with that. I'm like, okay, those gentlemen are coming into the office to help with their bladder leakage. But we actually have a huge variety right now of um, like mid twenties to fifties, late forties of high, like what we consider high tone. It means tight pelvic floor. And it's our men that are more like stressful jobs. So we might have our firemen or our men in finance or who isn't stressed out right now with COVID, I feel like. So we're getting a lot of those clients that maybe are sitting a lot throughout the day too, or their pelvic floor is not moving as well. Or, um, and so they might have like testicular pain with sitting, testicular pain with lifting, um, tip of the penis pain, the same way we would have pain, um, in our pelvic floors. It's just in a, you know, the anatomy is a little different. It shifts a little bit, same muscles, just shifted. So we wouldn't do a vaginal assessment on them. We would do a rectal assessment to see what's going on and train their tissue how to work properly. And um, we also, I add in dry needling a lot with our clients. So that's something else we offer and dry needling and pelvic pain or dry needling and helping that bladder to really calm down or to, to stimulate back up, activate back up. Uh, it works like a charm. Dry needling has been really fun. So a lot of our guys will like all come in for dry needling and then they'll sit and we'll listen to the pelvic floor side of it before they get into pelvic floor. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Okay. I'm glad we touched on that because I think, um, I mean, obviously this is so under talked about for women, but I don't want to leave yeah. the men out who just and have one different more, anatomies. You yeah. can listen to your partner pee because I do this with my husband. I know when he's stressed because the pee will either be slow to start or it'll stop and start. 
And so oh that's gosh. a stressed pelvic floor. It's not relaxed. It's not letting it out, right? So it's right. a pinched hose. That hose is being pinched a little bit by those pelvic floor muscles, where if it was relaxed, urine would be coming out smoothly. So you can always like eavesdrop on your partner as they're peeing and be like, I think you might need to go see a pelvic floor PT. And I do this to my husband, like, oh, are you stressed this week? And he's like, stop analyzing. <laughs> like, okay. I'm like, Make sure you put your child's pose, drop into a deep squat, like work on your stretching. That is so, oh my God, I can't wait to listen now. Because men pee, it's really loud because of their- It is. Like, you can really, you just have yeah, to have an ear It's not ready. hard to- No. <laughs> that is so great. I love it. Oh my gosh. Well, this has been so informative. Like just for me, I'm noticing how much I'm like tensed my muscles in my legs. And I know this all the time, how I do that. And so it's just nice to like- talk about how maybe that can be affecting. There's just ways that we've internalized, especially for women to like be tense and close and keep our legs together. <laughs> I didn't mean that in a sexual <laughs> way, but like kind of like, you know, there's like mansplaining and then there's the women sitting next to them. All of that um, is all leading into like how your muscles are doing, the health of them. Um, yeah. And just the whole atrophy part you mentioned about like three days postpartum of a C-section, like from experience, I literally thought my entire butt muscle disappeared in that time frame because I was like sitting in bed for a very yeah. long time. So just normalize that. Um, your body just went through a marathon. Like these are kind of me summarizing. Like it's so there's some things you can do to prepare just like you would for a big event or like a surgery. I've had a surgery too. And it's like, let's make those muscles stronger ahead of time. Let's, let's create the best scenario so that once the marathon is over, whatever happens on the other side is either going to be easier to heal or there'll be less um, damage to begin with. And like all of that is just so, so, so important. So thank you so much for your time and for sharing thank with us. Thank you for having me. This has uh, been amazing. This is so it. fun. And I love your social media. I can't say that enough. It's so <laughs> like spot on entertaining, like it gets your attention to like these I, things that shouldn't be happening. <laughs> I appreciate that so much because I've been deflated like these last two months of like being, you know, blacked out by Instagram. So I'm uh, like, oh my gosh, I've lost everything we've worked for so far. So it's good well, to hear. Thank you. Yeah, it really, it's just, it's just a nice way to get people to like pay attention um, which is what I hope to do with this episode, just spread this around um, and just kind of normalize like you, nothing's wrong with you. You don't, Physical therapy doesn't have to be just after an injury. It can actually be prevention too. So Love it as prevention. Yes. So thank you wow. so much. I'm so grateful that I found you and so grateful for the conversation and your time. Thank you. So yeah. Truly, this has been amazing. <laughs>